Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Welcome to another edition. Edition? We're not, these aren't editions. Welcome to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. I'm Alan. And I'm Katie. And we are married. Still, in fact. Still, yeah. yeah we didn't get remarried. So we've that talked might about, happen. We've talked about doing vows. Like well, redoing some, I've talked about it extensively, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're not alone today. We are joined uh, today by Kristen and Tanner Arnett. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. We're excited. Yeah. Thank you guys both. Yeah. You are so far, you're, you're witnesses to the most awkward opening of Marriage on a Tightrope. <laughs> so welcome and congrats <laughs> on that. This isn't video recorded. <laughs> so today uh, we're going to talk to Kristen and Tanner about their experience. Personally, I think everyone's sick of us. And so we want to hear oh. from other people. So uh, we're going to hear uh, a little bit about Kristen and Tanner. Um, and before we get into all of the you know, the main event is the, is the faith crisis and the mixed faith marriage stuff. We'd just love to get to know you guys a little bit. And if you could tell us kind of where you're from and this is your two minute church introduction time. (laughs) Yeah, this is your, we're new to the war and (laughs) two minutes total or two minutes each. No, I take as much time as you want. (laughs) You want to go first? That's fine. So I am uh, from Mesa, Arizona. So very close to the Gilbert area where we currently live. Come from a family of nine. Oh, see, so I thought very, I was very Mormon number there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm number seven out of nine. So one of the youngest. Never been much into church history, the pioneer history stuff. So I'm not sure how far back it goes. Um, but I know up until my grandparents on both sides, you know, were both members. Uh, I want to say they were super active. Um, when my parents were growing up, but uh, regardless, uh, my own family growing up, your typical kind of TBM Mormon family, you know, um, doing everything that we could, you know, waking up early, doing the scripture study when we could, uh, you know, until that failed, and then we'd try something else. And, <laughs> yeah, and something always, uh, there was, let's see, seven boys and two girls. Wow. So, uh, you know, big sports family, always something, you know, exciting going on uh, in the household. And I was pretty observant just as a kid, you know, was pretty content just kind of hanging around and seeing all the action going on. So, so yeah, so I had a, had a great childhood and, um, yeah, I'd say pretty, pretty normal stuff, you know, parents pushing us to go to church every Sunday, uh, you know, mutual wasn't super strong, but, you know, we tried to attend when possible uh, Eagle Scout was not mandatory, but uh, <laughs> oh man, I had to get so, my license before, or I had to get my Eagle before I got my license. Yeah, yeah, that was that didn't really fly in our family, and <laughs> I like to blame it on one of my older siblings because you know he didn't get his, so every person you know after that you know used that same excuse, you know, well, right, so and so didn't get their Eagle, so I don't have to get mine. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty typical, uh, very, very, um, conferences that came up, you know, we'd always look forward to that and, you know, very much a true believer in, in that sense. So, uh, in the Mesa area, for those that maybe don't know, it's, uh, think of kind of a mini Utah area, you know, very heavily populated with, with Mormons. So yeah, most, most of my, all my friends and people going to school, they're all LDS. So mm-hmm. surrounded by them. 
Yeah, so I graduated in 2000. I, I do you want my story because we kind of meet in high school. Oh, yeah. we met in high school. Yeah, so maybe we should okay. Kristen can go Kristen. And explain her okay. and we'll interject at that point. Yeah, I'm like, you can't go ahead of when we sure. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. I got a story. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, as far as my family with the church, I think um, my mom's side of the family, we have relatives that came over with the Willie and Martin handcart company. Oh, wow. I think one of my great great grandfathers was Benjamin Johnson, who was Joseph Smith's like personal secretary. So we have all like all of his journals. And so we're like, Whoa, super... I may or may not want to read those. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. There are some, there are some interesting, interesting. things in there. Yeah. yeah. I grew up really strong in the church. Also, I'm the oldest of four girls and yeah, always just felt like a, my parents really wanted me in all ways to be an example, you know, to my younger siblings. And part of that was with church stuff too. So I really tried to be the best student, be the best young woman, be, you know, I just took all of that really seriously. Childhood in there. I loved young women's. I loved girls camp. That was, you know, really formative to my testimony and my experiences and all my best friends were in my ward. And so it was just a party, mutual church. Everything was, was fun. I just loved it. Yeah, and then we met in high school. Yeah, my senior year in high school. So she's a year younger than me. Mm -hmm. And uh, we met uh, through some mutual friends and dated. It was my first date. Yeah, it was. uh, Hang my hat on that one. (laughs) When you get it right the first time. (laughs) I was like almost 16 when we met, you know. So it was like, okay, we're hanging out, but we weren't like dating until I was 16. And he was almost 18. So that was fun that he got to take me on my first official date. So whenever I tell people I married my first date, they're like, weird. I'm like, no, don't worry. I dated other people (laughs) after that. He was my favorite. So it ended up working out. Yeah. So we dated. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were best friends because, you know, again, I'm the oldest. My parents are very strict. So they were very much, you know, you guys need to make sure you're going to dances with other people. And when he dropped me off, flickering the lights, making sure, you know, I needed to come inside. And so they tried to keep us from getting too serious, of course. But we, we <laughs> definitely really liked each other. Um, but he had his mission that he was pretty close to like a year after we met. Yeah, it was so I worked a little bit and uh you know got my mission paper submitted as soon as I could when I graduated. Um and all the while we were still dating um up until the point that that I got my call and and left. Um you know, I'll I'll say that, you know, I had a lot of older brothers, you know, that I really looked up to and they all served missions, so you know, I had that example and I saw what that did for their lives. So I was very much, you know, entrenched in it from that standpoint of, it was never a question, you know, about serving. So, um, so I got, I got my call and it was to Mexico. I, I wasn't, I, I won't say I was thrilled about going foreign speaking, you know, but <laughs> be, being from Arizona, you know, Spanish is definitely a, a plus. Yeah. Yeah. Thing to have. So, um, so I guess, yeah. You want to hear about the mission a little bit? Or? Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, anything, just either high level or if there's any specific experience that, that jumps out at you, you don't have to force an experience. But yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because talking about a lot of these experiences and even growing up, you know, I have a much different view on it now right? Yeah. than I did when I was actually going through it. Yeah, of course. So it's kind of hard to talk about it without wanting to touch on some of those things, but sure. anyways, so if you have any questions, feel free to... I well, guess. I think one question, because I've talked to a, a few people that have, have 
shifted where, where they at and they, they look back at their missions very differently, like you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so one question I would ask you is a few people I've talked to say that they look back and now either some people use the word regret. Some people use the word resent. Some people say, I feel like I wasted that two years mm -hmm. while I understand that. I, I don't feel that way. I, mm -hmm. I personally don't. But sure. when you look back at your mission, like what, what do you feel now? So now looking back, I can relate with a lot of those same feelings that you're kind of talking about. I want to say I regret my mission. I'm glad I was able to do it. And for the time that I was, you know, in that uh, frame of mind, uh, it was great. You know, I loved the people of Mexico. You know, that was great. I met a lot of really great families. But on that same thing, it, there were a lot of things that at the time, you know, I took really seriously. I was extremely obedient as far as a missionary went. And that's kind of how my outlook was as a church as a whole. You know, the more obedient I was, the, well, the Lord was going to bless me, right? You know, I, I struggled with the language a little bit. Well, more obedient I am, the, you know, he'll help me with the language type stuff. I'm not baptizing. Well, it's obviously because I'm not being obedient type stuff, you know? So I ran into a lot of issues at the beginning of my mission. Um, now looking back as I can see that there were anxiety episodes that I was having, just dealing with the cultural shock and not having any type of outlet to channel that, you know? So I had a lot of panic attacks, anxiety attacks that I wasn't realizing that's what was occurring, you know? Um, and which led to kind of just episodes of depression throughout, you know, um, but you get through it. You know, I, I learned a lot from, you know, from a social aspect and speaking and I learned Spanish, but, you know, going back to not, not to really touch upon the faith crisis aspect of it, but you spend two years of your life teaching something that you no longer believe to be true. At least for me at this point, you feel like, a, mentally, I could have taken it much differently, you know, and maybe relaxed and enjoyed myself a little bit more. And maybe I would have done something different with my time, you know, whether that would have been school or something, instead of think, feeling like I just kind of, you know, was teaching a lie for two years type thing, you know, that I thought was true. So I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I kind of go back and forth on it. But overall, I'm glad I was able to do it. And, you know, you can't change when you're in that frame of mind. So there's no point in regretting that you did that, you know, because there's obviously good that I got from it. Yeah. yeah. It's come from it, you know, but looking back, you know, you can definitely see issues that I had with it. So, yeah. Yeah. I can respect, I totally understand where you're coming from. I, I, we've talked about this a lot recently where it's, it's not black and white. There are, you can, I can look, can look back at my mission and go, Oh my gosh. And when you, when you talk about disobedience or obedience rather, mm -hmm. I would imagine that it's this, it's similar to my experience for those that are listening that aren't familiar with what mission rules would be. I, I would imagine most, even if you didn't serve a mission would understand what those would be. I, the way that you were talking reminded me of like, uh, it's 1101 PM. Oh my gosh, we're not going to have the spirit tomorrow because we're not asleep. Exactly. It's yeah. that, that's the obedience. So it's, obedient. Yeah. It's 10.01 AM and we haven't left the apartment yet. Right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and not only that is monthly, your mission president comes and, you know, confirms all that and saying, elders, you aren't teaching, you aren't baptizing because, you know, X, Y, and Z of you're not doing enough. So that would just confirm something is wrong with me. I'm not doing enough. 
you know, and that's obviously why I'm not teaching or baptizing like the other elders are in the mission, you know, and it causes a lot of conflict that I don't feel is, is, um, right. You know, it's just, it's the wrong way of looking. I, I almost feel like it was a form of spiritual abuse to an extent with my first mes- mission president. I had, I had two of them and looking back it, the, the way that he, you know, that we had to do a lot of things. I just, I just not, healthy. not, not the right way that you want to motivate people to do things, you know? So Sure. When you got your second mission president, was was there like a night and day difference? Complete, completely different. Yeah, the the first mission president was um, native, and maybe that had something to do with it and his view on Americans. Mm. Um, the second one was American, was much more just about love, and it's not about the numbers. And that's the other thing. It's a real, at, for me at least, it was a huge eye opener of what how I thought the church functioned and how the spirit worked mm-hmm. to what reality is, you know, mm-hmm. and reality as a missionary is it's numbers. It's mixed in with the spiritualness, you know, and I, that kind of didn't sit with me that well, you know, just the right. pressure mm-hmm. on a weekly basis to perform. And you were looked at as almost lesser than if you didn't, you know, so it, it was always kind of a high anxiety situation for me going through that. But at the time, I was just like, well, this is, this is what it is. You know, you, your brain doesn't really go to a place like that when you're young and, and you know. In the right. Church, so. Right. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Right. We, yep, yep. Exactly. I mean, just like you, we experienced the same thing. We had the same two mission presidents. So we served in the same mission. We served in the same That's mission. Right. And, yeah. and one was just. He's a lawyer um, by profession. He's not a lawyer. Oh, wasn't he an attorney or something? No, he owns an insurance company. Oh, even worse. Anyway. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no, one, one was very rigid <laughs> his approach. And then the, the next one came in and it was and just. he's a car a dealership dad. owner. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just charismatic and loving and um, arms around. And Yeah, he was, he really was. It, it just changed so much, like the feel of everything. Anyway, so I yeah. can completely relate to yeah. that. And we um, love both of them. In fact, yeah. we're going to go to a mission reunion in April. Oh, cool. I yeah. don't think that's a great idea. I but... am so excited. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Alan's up for the challenge. Yeah. Um, okay. No, thank you. We've, we have never actually spent that much time talking about missions. missions. So um, there you go. That was good. So thanks. All right. So you get off of your mission in 2003. 2002. Yeah. Those, End of 2002. 2002. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and I'm Chris, still here. Kristen was around. Get us to the so. temple. I did date <laughs> quite a few people, but he was my favorite um, for sure. So I was hoping that he still liked me when he got back and he had to get over a little bit of that cultural awkwardness, you know? At yeah, first, I was, but, I was one of those. Yeah. So. <laughs> a couple <laughs> months or so. We and then, to some extent. Yeah. And then we um, got engaged a couple months later after he got home and married four months later. So yeah, we just, um, just last June was our six, 15 year wedding anniversary. That's pretty standard Mormon engagement, right? Pretty. I mean, actually a lot of people thought four months was kind of long. They were like, why are you taking so long? Four Um, months. You can't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, you know, I heard, we heard a lot of people that said the first year is like the hardest, you know, so we were kind of prepared for that. And I think because we were such, 
good friends. Like for us having that year in high school of hanging out and being like best friends and then writing and staying so close two years during his mission, you know? So at that point we had known each other for four years. We just felt like it was just fun, you know, like Mm -hmm. we, we thought it was super easy. We, we, um, we're finishing school and working and for the first couple of years and it was pretty smooth sailing. Yeah. The first couple of years are the easiest, I would say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have everything else to yeah. come, right? That's how we felt too. <laughs> it's, it's once you, once kids enter the scene, that yeah. kind of, uh, mm-hmm. it makes things a little more stressful. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, um, taught elementary school for a couple of years before we had kiddos and he was kind of working his way up in his career technology career as a systems analyst and then we had our first little girl in 2007 so four years after we got married and she's now 11 so turning 12 this year which means she's in young women's which right. not a little kid anymore right mm-hmm. <laughs> how, how was I mean I don't want to skip ahead but now that we're at that how was that because she's 11 and she's going into young women. Like, what are the feelings that both of you have about that? Well, first the church kind of threw us a curveball with the yep. change in rules. We, we had another nine months yeah. to where Kristen could kind of prepare for that. Well, right? yeah. I mean, she's my oldest. And so I feel like that's just pri- being in primary is childhood, you know? And so if, if she was my second or third, or if we weren't going through this, it probably wouldn't have been a big deal, but as my oldest and kind of what we're going through and just not ready to, to take that step yet. It was, it was a rough couple of weeks, but yeah. um, she was so excited and all her friends were. And so I, you know, and I just got released from young women's I've been in there for the last couple of years. So I mm. was close with all the leaders and I just, I, I still love young women's. And so I'm like, okay, I know it'll be okay. but. Um, do you, don't you guys have one that age too? Also, yeah. uh, we do. Uh, we barely miss the 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 rule change affecting our kids because our, our son's birthday is January. He turned January. in January. Okay. Uh, we had a twelve. We had an eleven year old turn twelve last June. Okay. So, Thirteen now. And so that I mean, with with the boys and having it be the priesthood, and it's the the father that has transitioned out of the faith. Uh, that is difficult. But Tanner, did you experience anything difficult with your daughter moving up to young women's? Uh, Oh, yeah. Um, Especially recently. um, And that's been kind of some of the difficult parts dealing with this and still. Are we getting too far ahead? Should we back up? (laughs) Let's talk Uh, talk about this. And then then we can. can, So a recent thing is, is they had their young women's presidency is that what they'd call it so Mm -hmm. she was called into the presidency what came along with that is the fathers typically come in and they um set them apart apart, Mm -hmm. right yeah it was about me and Kristen having the discussion around that and what that was going to look like and we had very little time to prepare for it and and not to jump ahead but our our kids are pretty in the dark about all this you know so very um, gradual. Yeah. Hints, it's, so. Yeah. So as we've talked about it, it's, you know, we've taken a different approach instead of just dumping all this on kids that aren't going to really understand it. So, so it, it that was difficult um, knowing that I wasn't going to be the one, well, well A, that I, I didn't, I wasn't actually present and, and also that all the other dads were going to be there. Right. And so what questions would that raise for her or would she, 
you know, feel different or would that be hard for her? And so that was, that was hard for me to, to see that and deal with that. It ended up working out. Okay. You know, the, the situation with it all. And well, he was home. We didn't know what was going to happen that day. And he was home yeah, with a so, sick kid. So I was just there with her, right. but she did still feel like, Oh my, my, he's not here, you right. know, but you know, and I just said, it's okay. Your mom's here. And you're going to give me a hug afterwards. You know, like they traditionally give the dad a hug. Yeah. And that, so yeah. give me a hug. And that's something I struggle with is, is how, how are my kids going to look at me and are they going to view me differently because of this, you know, and that's one of his biggest thing. That's yeah. yeah, That's one of my biggest fears. I think is just, you know, raising them and continuing them on this path, you know, as is, you know, what is that going to look like? Um, Cause I have an idea in my head and and maybe I'm making incorrect assumptions, but um, and maybe a lot of it is just fear based, but I have a lot of concerns with that. So. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, Concern that that we share. <laughs> I, I will say this: I talked to my brother. Maybe I should have him come on <clears throat> to talk about this specific topic because he put some of those fears to rest for me. They're not completely gone. He's a marriage and family therapist, and and he works. He's actually a high school counselor, so he works with with high school age kids <clears throat> every single day. And one thing, when I expressed the same thing you just did, Tanner, to him about like. It drives me nuts that I'm, that I'm, I can't be more open with them and they're going to think that I'm, you know, wicked and evil and Satan's in my heart and all this (laughs) stuff. And, and, and he said, you know, it's a valid fear, but, and I'm very much putting words in his mouth because I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he, he kind of said to me, kids today, they are very different than when we were kids they they do not they're so interconnected uh society has changed so much and and we're they're so much more lenient and accepting of those that are not like them that whether it's because of social media and how just exposed they are to other groups mm. that he's like I just don't see it happening as much anymore kids just they they grow up and by the time they're 15 16 it just they just don't care if people are different from them he he put a little more scientifically i guess maybe but uh, <laughs> anyway i'm with you though it's 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 mm-hmm. a scary thing so we're still yeah. working on the openness and the best way to go about it mm-hmm. yeah that's that's the biggest thing for us right now is just you know me and kristen are okay um and we're continuing to work you know on our relationship but the biggest thing is just kind of how are we going to navigate that path with our kids because it's right. just kind of hard to foresee at this point and you know, she's coming to me weekly saying, dad, I'm going to the temple tomorrow to do baptisms for the dead. So it's just like inside, I'm just kind of like, you know, I kind of have to squeak out a smile and just, you know, that's great, you know, and you know, why are you excited about that? And just kind of support her in that, you know, even though I have my own, you know, personal feelings about all that. So, yeah, that's, uh, huh. (laughs) Oh man. And then there's me who's like, it's fine. It's service. I love the temple. It's fine. Kristen, I want to, I want you to talk about your experience because that was before Tanner's experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that comes first. I, I, okay. So we'll, we'll, We text okay. it a little bit, you know. We'll edit. We'll we'll edit it. But um, okay, Kristen, why don't you go ahead and tell us about your experience in your what in your twenties that you had 
in yeah in my 20s so maybe like seven ish years ago his sister went through a questioning phase and she and her husband left uh the church and it was really hard for all of us Uh, she's my age and so we went to high school together i'm super close to her and so in this effort to save her as she's and again, this is before church essays. This is before anything's even being talked about in the church, you know. So everything she's telling me and trying to, she I mean, she was genuinely wanting to know though. She wasn't trying to throw stuff, you know, in her face. She was like, did you know how many wives Joseph Smith had and what polygamy really looked like? And I was like, there's, there's no. And so in an effort to try and help her, I did do some Googling and research some things. And they looked like legitimate historical sites to me at the time. And it looked like, yeah, I think he really did have 40 wives and I'm really confused. And, and, and then, you know, learning the polyandry, you know, type things. I did talk to a family member that I'm super close to about what I found about the polygamy that really bothered me and didn't sit well with me. And I was super surprised to hear her say that she on her own had uncovered some of the same issues and was sick about them and asked questions about them and prayed about them and came to her own conclusion that maybe that wasn't really of God and that maybe everything else still was and that he did restore the church and all this stuff and her testimony is still good and solid. And again, this is a family member that I'm, you know, super love and trust. And so even though it was hard for me to hear her say those things, that maybe that wasn't, you know, really of God, it kind of brought me peace too. Like, okay, like maybe this isn't really black and white. Maybe this is a little bit more, gray than I thought it was. And I remember you came to me, right? Yeah. Telling Tanner, did you, did you know that, you know, Joseph Smith had this many wives and that some were already married and, you know, just some of those things. And, you know, I shared with him how my family member kind of came to find peace with it. I said, I think I can find peace with it too. I can, I can find peace that maybe prophets aren't perfect. Like we've always kind of thought they were and that maybe they can make mistakes, but they're still called of God and they still did all those other things. And so we're good. It's fine. You know, And I'll never forget him saying, you know, I can't do something's true and something's not. It's either all true for me or it's all not, you know? And I was like, really? You can't, you know? And he's no, because then what else is going to be in question is the book of Mormon is, you know? Right. Well, something as big as polygamy, which the church never has said was not of God. The way of thinking about that is, if Joseph got that wrong, and then my thought process is, what else can we draw a conclusion that he got wrong? You know, so it's either the big truth claims are either all true, or it just creates confusion in my mind to try and think of it that way. Of some things are true, some aren't. You know, you just kind of decide personally. At least at that point in time, that didn't work for me. But I remember telling you. And telling you, you know, some things we just don't understand in this lifetime, right? right. We'll figure that was always my thing of just like, mm-hmm. there'll Shall be we? ample amount of time to figure it out afterwards, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of how I always looked at a lot of things that I had issues with. So, um, but so, that didn't really bother me when she came to me with that stuff. So, yeah. So then Kristen, like, how long did you sit with that before you, be- I don't know, came at peace, had peace with it? I don't know. How do you say it? How yeah, you say it? I mean... I definitely, I don't know if I came to full peace with it. I feel like because it just opened, it opened my mind or my heart up to what if this 
isn't everything that I've always thought it was, you know, I didn't, but I didn't want to know any more history. I didn't want to have any more doubts because I loved it all so much. And I always even, I mean, I'm a super social person. I find so much fulfillment in serving in my musical callings. I'm always playing the piano and been young women's president. And I, I so much fulfillment out of everything. I've always joked saying, even if for some reason I thought it wasn't true someday, I'm still going to be a part of it. It's just, it's just so wonderful, you know? So I feel like that was sometimes in the back of my mind of like, Oh yeah. Remember those like, you know, weird things about Joseph Smith, but I just like, it's totally fine. That was forever ago. And this is now, and I love it. And this is just the greatest. Just thing. what people did back then. Right. I mean, just- so Tanner, take us through how long since she said that to you, how long did it take you to kind of do your own sort of how did that begin? Your your um, look into the the church. Yeah. So that when did that happen? Do you remember about what year? Well, it had to do with your job. And- no, I mean, oh, no, I mean, it was with, just super long with ago. my sister. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. But anyways, uh-huh. over the years since then, I've always kind of had, I don't know what you would you would call them, but just deep thoughts. I I don't know, but just like things that wouldn't make sense to me, and I would lay in bed with Kristen sometimes and oh, yeah. just pick her brain about random things. Sometimes I would feel, you know, like I was saying things that maybe wouldn't be, you know, in line with what God would, how he would want me to think, you know, but I would think, you know, if, if God is infinite, you know, who, where did he come from? And where was that before that? And, you know, just weird stuff like that and stuff about the temple and just things that just didn't make sense to me. And Mm -hmm. so there was always things that just kind of, I started just kind of questioning, I think naturally just about, maybe God in general and then specific about the church, but it really didn't, I guess, become an issue until 2017 was it? Mm -hmm. And I, and I had been laid off at work and through that uh, I had a six month severance and it was, I I had been with the company for over 10 years and it was, yeah, it was kind of abrupt and kind of sent me into a, a space of, Depression, maybe anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that whole six month time he was not able to right. find another job. He was trying, but right. So, so I had, I had done several things of setting up my own independent consulting during that time. And I had all these aspirations and goals and one by one, everything was just kind of squashed and didn't pan out. And then the very last option I had, which I didn't want to do ended up being who I contracted with for work type stuff. So it was, I was kind of in a bad spot mentally, I would say, um, just kind of from that experience. And then during that period was the same time that that Scientology series came out with Leah Remini. Um, yeah, yeah. And so I was, I was super interested in that because, you know, here's the crazy Scientologist, you know, I was just fascinated by it. And as I watched it, um, I started drawing comparisons to, tactics that the Scientology, I mean, this is my own personal opinion that, that, that I think, but that Scientologists do to their members per se, to keep them in line and what families do to each other within Scientology for those that kind of defect from the religion. Right. And I was like, I've seen that in my own family. You know, I've seen that people I know where that same thing occurs. So I, I started thinking for some reason in my brain, I started thinking, how is it that I can, from an outsider view, look at Scientology and say, man, that stuff is crazy. I really disagree with all these different 
techniques and tactics that they use that's harmful, yet I can't look at my own religion in the same context, you know. So I started kind of looking at it that way, and that kind of started causing some questions for me. And that led me somehow to Googling about, I, I can't remember what it was. I think it was something about do LDS leaders hide anything? Because I was kind of curious if there was any kind of comparison to kind of like what Scientology was like. Mm-hmm. And that brought me to an, somehow a, a, a source on Mormon Think about our temples. And that was my very first introduction to anything anti-Mormon as as Mormons would call it, but I had no idea about anything about the Masons, about anything like that. I don't right. know deep you want me to get into no, some of those things, but on here. that's kind of what started some of that for me. Yeah. And really I, I started kind of having some questions around that at that time of, you know, wait a second, there's, there's things that I am not aware of that, that are looking like they're actual, tr- you know, truth to it, you know? from the people that we've talked to, that's a very unique catalyst or springboard into the crisis mode. For me, it was, and for many, it is just the, the learning of the unknown things. Mm -hmm. And there was no questions before that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so for you having the star of the King of Queens be the <laughs> be, be one. And I know that that you're simplifying your story and that's likely not like right. a moment. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but kind of your, the deep mm-hmm. thoughts and mm-hmm. looking at, looking at another, uh, another religion and posing the same questions that you're asking about that religion on your own is very, that's a very, uh, spiritually mature. I don't know the way to say it, but a very, mature way of thinking about your own, your own beliefs. Mm-hmm. I, I was fully wrapped. I never would have been able to do that. It just, it wouldn't even cross my mind. Yeah. And I think that's kind of just what slowly allowed my mind because I was so deeply, I mean, I'll, I know I didn't really touch upon it, but um, I mean, my testimony was solid in the truth claims and that's what my testimony was based in was the truth claims from the very beginning, from a very young age, I believed everything. And I had very spiritual experiences that confirmed that to me throughout my life. Um, and so for me, the church was what the church claimed it to be, you know, the Christ who church restored here on earth. And I was all in with that, you know. Yeah, the social aspect, the the music, the other parts, those are great. But I'm in it for these, the restoration, um, the Book of Mormon, um, prophets, apostles, you know, uh, men communicating with Christ and God, you know, I was, that, that was exactly what I was into. So, um, it, 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 so, so when it, when it, when it hit me that all of a sudden when I found out something that I had never known my entire life, I mean, 36 years was it that I had no idea. Cause listen, I'll, I'll say this. The temple ceremony has always confused me and I, and I don't mean to, for anybody that holds that sacred, it, it always confused me, but I always thought if I can have a spiritual enough experience, it'll make sense to me. I understood we went through it and we did certain covenants, but certain things that we, we, we do in there just never has never made sense to me. No one has ever, you don't talk about it. So how do you ask questions? And so I'm just like, is am I supposed to just 
is God going to reveal this to me? And it has never made sense. So when I did actually find out finally where the origins of the temple came from, it all made sense. Like all the answers just lined up and, and no longer. And that was kind of like that with during the entire faith crisis of all the answers and the confusion that I had all of a sudden just were cleared up and everything made sense. There was no more confusion, you know, and it was just amazing to come to that place of, of recognition. And it's something in the brain that switches and allows yourself. Once I figured out that God wasn't going to strike me down for researching things, you know, cause that's what I felt like. I felt like I was going to be struck down, you know, it's like some of the stories in the book of Mormon, even, you know, I, I was afraid to even Google something. It, it was a yeah. really hard struggle for me to even do that. But once I did, I was just like, wait a second, this isn't anti-Mormon information. A lot of it is just our history, right? Mm-hmm. And and being able, in a place of, you know, kind of the depression and, and anxiety, I, I think kind of propelled me into that area as well. Um, not to say that that's something that, you know, caused it, but it, it was a difficult time for me, you know. Yeah. The faith crisis on top of all that just... <laughs> It wasn't uh, something yeah. that I was looking for at all. So, right. Well, I would add just a little bit on that of that first six months or so that that was going on. He wasn't saying anything to me at all about anything he was learning or reading or watching. I watched some of those documentaries with him and I'm like, this is weird. Like I'm not watching this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, this I thought it was fascinating. No. right? But I did notice a little more distance in family scripture study and different things that we were doing and just little off the wall comments. And I'm like, dude, what is going on? <laughs> you know, but when we were so focused on his job and getting him through kind of, you know, the anxiety and stuff with that. Um, and we finally got there. We finally got help into a good place and he was feeling better. And so after that year, that really hard year of unemployment that I went through with him, it was literally like a week or two after that of like, okay, you know, he's at peace with work now, got a handle on his thoughts. And then he's like, I got to take all this off the shelf now. And I got to figure out the shirt stuff. And I'm like, Oh, could you wait like a year or so? Can we have like a happy year again? Because (laughs) year has been the hardest year ever. And he's like, no, now I'm, I'm in a better we got to figure it out. And it was, you know, I mean, I kind of had some hints, but I was kind of living in denial, you know, I, so I kind of sort of knew, but then that's when I think he, you know, found Mormon stories and just continued to research more. And it was probably, would you say only like, I I hadn't even looked at the CES letter yet or anything, Mm -hmm. you know, this was all, it was just a thing. Right. This was just, I I put everything kind of up on the shelf and like, just causing more anxiety. Right. And, and that was a period of time where I just kind of put my head down and just like everything was normal, you know, just, you know, I don't have any issues and just, I was the elders quorum instructor. So that was interesting, you know, um, teaching during that time period. And so, yeah, once I got to a much better place, it, it, yeah, I did come to you and we did start to talk about that some more. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's the other thing is in my mind, people who went through faith crisis or left the church, you know, they had an ax to grind against the church. They, they wanted to sin. They had issues with their own lives, you know, and that was always my thought process and, and what I kind of had always been taught. And then all of a sudden I discovered John DeLynn, Bill Rill, you know, all these other people in this community all of a sudden opened up and I was just like, wait, these people are just like me, you know, they, they didn't want any of this, but right. it just kind of was sprung on them of, of the truth and, and caused them to go through that. So, 
Um, I know you've just wanted to go to bed at 1101. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. That was (laughs) when you said that now you started to talk with Kristen about this, Kristen, is that just okay? Everything's great. And now you can talk about all the individual issues. And I'm sure those conversations were very easy and there was no tension whatsoever. (laughs) Or was there, Kristen, talk a little bit about as now he's, he's opened up to you on, Hey, I'm going to figure this out. What is that like for you? And what does the next you know, few months look like? Oh, scared for sure. Um, I mean, he did, he did say like, I need to know if I'm crazy. I need you to read some of this stuff. And there was maybe a part of me that thought maybe I should hesitate. But at the same time, like my heart said, like, this is your husband. Like you trust him, you know, of his testimony, you know, of his integrity. Like I, you know, I will read what you want me to read. I of course was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, there are some, there are some hard issues there that I wasn't aware of, but I really quickly went into, there's answers to this. We're going to figure it out, positive defense mode. And he was going more and more towards, I think I'm out, you know? And so all the conversations were so heated because it was like, you know, me just saying, you're just trying to look at the negative (laughs) and you look at what, what, what could be, I mean, Patrick Mason, I, I read planted. I, um, I love the givens and so much, so much of that kind of nuance, faithful approach is kind of what I leaned towards. And so that, that did cause some, even though we could discuss, we could discuss the issues because I knew them, but we had just such different approaches to them that they were very heated conversation yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Did they, but you had conversations. Yeah, we did. And I, I'm, I, I've listened to a lot of people's stories and I'm thankful i felt comfortable enough and had a relationship with Kristen to where I was able to go to her and say, I'm having problems in this area and I need your help, you know, to tell a, if I'm crazy for thinking these things and B, I just need your support, you know, cause that was so helpful in my journey, you know, whereas, you know, I've other people who keep it in for a much longer time. Also, there's also some spouses feel betrayed, you know, when you finally spring it on them and that type of stuff. So um, she was really, really good at being understanding and listening to me. But she was, she's right. We both were coming at it very much from an angle of, you know, I'm right. No, I'm right. Mm -hmm. Type type thing, you know, of do we stay in? Do we stay out? And um, not, not a lot of, I would say, really communicating with those conversations, but yeah, I would, I would just say that it was any conversation and, and I couldn't, he wanted to have conversations all the time. I had to take regular That's breaks. True. It was too heavy for me. I had to say, uh-huh. we're not talking about it this week. I'm going on with my happy little life and raising my kids and I can't, you know, so we, we did really have to, I, I, and I was bits at a time. I was know? working from home at this time. And so I was spending hours a day just podcasts, podcasts yeah. after podcasts and, you know, just History after history. I mean, I never, I, I, I laugh because I've never studied the church so much like I have now going through a faith crisis, you know, and it's just, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy, but yeah. it's the opposite of lazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think with yeah. our conversations, when we did have them, what was happening that was causing our marriage to go downhill, which we realized pretty quickly after, because like, like after a month or so, he told me, I, you know, my integrity, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm completely done. Um, and I said, no, you will continue to stay in and put on a smile for the next 18 years or so. And then maybe you can be done. But 
that's not like, that's just not part of the deal. You know, we're going to, and I just thought time will answer these questions and things will figure it out. So anytime we had to talk, it was more just, I knew what my plan was and I was trying to force him. And I wouldn't say he was trying to force me, but at the same time, he so badly wanted me to agree with him on every single issue that I did feel like he wasn't listening to me and he was just super negative. Well, she wasn't agreeing with my outlook, right? right. So, right. right. So, so what, how'd you get past that? Yeah. Or it took time. Or it took are time you? For sure. Yeah. yeah. The thing is, is that we would have conversations about a lot of this stuff. Every time I would bring up something that I had an issue with, or, you know, I don't know if I can continue to attend like I have been. I don't know if I can do this. I feel like she would go into defensive mode for the church. And that made me kind of upset of, well, I feel like you're defending the issues that I have problems with, you know? So there was a big conflict with that. So mm-hmm. oh, sorry. No, go I'm ahead. really good at interrupting if you can't tell. No, you're I'm fine. I'm a really good talker, but he's you're doing great. <laughs> a couple of things for me that helped when I realized that, you know, this was, we were not headed on a good path for our marriage. If we were going to continue, I, I think I found your podcast back in May. Cause I was still very hesitant, like on which podcast I would, listen to and trust at that time, you know? And so I found you guys and I'm like, okay, I feel like I can, I can trust these people. I, I like, you know, listen to them all in a week. And that was when things were really, really hard with us communicating wise. And I think that was like my first, like, okay, there can be hope. Like it can still be hard, but we can honor each other and love and respect each other. Like you guys did such a great example of sharing that. And so that was, that was really big for me of like, okay, there's gotta be a way we can figure this out. Um, and then I talked to another friend who had been going through this for probably 10 years and she shared so much that they learned in therapy about just the simple concept. It's not simple, but, um, of listening to understand whatever it's called where you don't, where you don't interrupt at all. And so we started having, you know, practicing that of, okay, I want to share some things with you, but you are just going to be totally quiet. You're just going to listen to the whole thing then in like a respectful way you can respond, you know, instead of the constant interrupt, but, 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 you know, and then it turns into arguing. And so once we started doing that, our communication totally changed, you know, because we, our defenses were down. And, and I think we also around that same time had to ask ourselves the question of like, okay, is it like, is our marriage worth it? Is it, are we going to do this even though it's going to be really hard? If you never change your mind and if I never change my mind, can we have just as great of a marriage and love each other? And it was a, both a really like easy yes for us. Like, of course, of course. Okay. You know, so I think it was coming to that point, making that decision and then realizing, okay, there's going to be a lot of sacrifice and a lot of compromise involved. I think it's easier to move on once you make that decision because you know that you're going to be in it for the long haul and you know that you're going to do whatever it takes in order to work it out. Right. And Kristen, I think that you sent, you also talked about a friend who was like, was, is she a life coach? Oh yeah. And, and I would love if you wanted to touch on some of the things that she told you, because I thought that it was really, really beautifully put. Yeah. Even, yeah. Even after we were kind of headed in a better direction with our relationship, I still would vent a lot to my friends of, I I still just wanted to force what our life was going to look like. You know, I had my plan and it was all going to look like this and he just needed to just keep quiet and he could believe whatever he wanted to, but that's what we needed to do. Um, And so I did get super into life coaching. I found the better than happy podcast. Have you guys heard of Jody Moore? Listen to her. Uh Of course. Yeah. So that is what I credit. She was my therapy. She was my, 
I believe answer to my prayer, you know, when I was going through all this and that she helped me to change my thoughts. Anyways. So a friend of mine got trained to be a life coach and needed, um, some training hours. And so I said, Oh my goodness, please coach me. And she also had a husband who went through something really similar. And so she totally related to that. And I just, my first time I went and talked to her in person, I just was, um, and just saying this wasn't supposed to happen to us. Like we were like, you know, dang it. I was just, so I was still thinking, man, I haven't even got emotional yet. So <laughs> I'm so tough with this now. Um, yeah, like this just wasn't part of our plan. We're supposed to go on a mission together someday. And we're like just the family that like people looked to that like was so strong, you know? So like, ah, uh-huh. and, and she just, you know, smiled and, you know, did the life coach thing they're supposed to do where they don't, they don't get in the ditch with you and feel sorry for you. You know, um, they just, she just smiled and she just said, okay. She just said, but what if, what if this isn't really a problem? And I said, yeah, that's, that's like one of those like mind tricks you guys play where you try and kill us things. This is a problem. This is the worst possible thing that could happen. And she's like, no, really, I just, I just want you to play around with it for just a moment of what if this is exactly what was supposed to happen for every person in your family to become who they were supposed to become. And everything changed after that. And, um, she just said, can you, let's talk about your husband. Can you give me some examples in his life of, you know, a way that he's become a better person through this? And I'm like, Oh, totally. And I could share some things. And she's like, what about you? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, my heart has like grown (laughs) 10 times, you know, like I understand Christ like love in a whole different way. Okay. Yeah. So, so maybe there's been some good things. But I'm like, my kids, no, you're not going to get me with my kids. And she was even able to help me think of some ways why this could be exactly what they need to. So yeah, there's, there's been, that's when I stopped wanting to force him (laughs) to. That, that was a big moment. I think for me, especially because at that time, around that time, she is when she allowed me to kind of be my authentic self. I feel like. Mm -hmm. And really, because I was headed in a direction that I felt like I was really growing in a lot of areas that I never had in my life, you know, was kind of held back with just some of our issues we had in our relationship and going different directions and with our family. And finally, I felt like we were having conversations where she was saying, it's okay if you believe this way. It's okay if you want to go this direction. That is your truth. And that's what's good. And then I was also able to look at her and say, okay, if you want to also stay in the church and you want to continue down this path, I'll support you in that. You know, that's your truth for right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And we could still have those conversations about various topics that we had issues with, but I think that respect was there that maybe wasn't there before um, that that kind of created for both of us. Mm -hmm. That's good. That wanna, was really good. I want to get her email. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're talking too much. So, yeah. yeah no, I, I've I've spoken with a, a life coach a few times, and it's it's really great, very helpful to get out of your own head and let someone else in it. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is awesome. I think she even ended that conversation by saying, "I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm so excited for you." 
And I still at that point, like kind of wanted to punch her. Cause I was like, okay, now we're pushing it too far. You're excited. <laughs> You know, but even as I'm listening to, I was listening to the last podcast, you guys just did that great interview. Um, and as you're, as the music trailed off, you know, to the lyrics of the tightrope song of, um, it's all an adventure that comes with a breathtaking view. And I'm like, it kind of is like, there are kind of things that, that you wouldn't get to experience in any other way. Like if you right. think about it as being an adventure and a way that everyone's going to grow and that nothing has gone wrong and that everything is exactly how it should be, then it's everything. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you and your spouse agree on everything, find something <laughs> to disagree on. That's not what we're saying. No. Not, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. 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 yeah I, I, it, I think we've said it a, a couple of times and it's not something looking back that you would choose to have happen. Mm -hmm. But now that it has, you absolutely can see the great mm -hmm. things that can come from it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Tanner, tell us, I mean, where are you at now? Are you attending church? Are you not? I mean, no. So I'm, yeah, I'm so currently I'm not attending. Um, I'm not active. Mm -hmm. I've thought many times about even possibly removing my name from the records type stuff. Kristen, but, is that hard to hear? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it, can, yeah. I'm sorry, Tanner. Can I, yeah, Kristen, are you comfortable I mean, I think it might be a, a given on why, but can you explain why that would be, why it's difficult to hear, why that would be hard for you? I mean, I guess it's not as hard as it was when I heard it six months ago. I think after, maybe after Bill um, Real, who we love, a lot of his podcasts, he's, you yeah. know, I listened and felt wonderful, wonderful feelings listening to him um, as he talks about Christ. And I think he's an awesome person. That was really hard when he, got excommunicated. And I think that's when he was talking about wanting to, you know, um, and I was like, no, you know, that's just, it's, it's a little too official for me. And, and I mean, I'm to the point now where I could be like, I can love you no matter what. So I can love you if that's what you need to do, but please don't, you know, like I don't want it just to be my name on the roster and make it look like I'm a single mom. Cause I'm not, you're there. I, I want your name, you know, like, yeah. I mean, as far as like, I've heard some people say they feel like that means that like their ceiling and all those things are like null and void if, you know, but for Officially, me. Officially, FYI, they're not, okay. by the way. Okay. Good <laughs> okay. to know. Yeah, good to know. Good but, to know. Uh, I, yeah. yeah, anyway. I, I feel the same. I felt the same way too, Kristen. It's, yeah. It feels very, very like final. Yeah. And I guess maybe it's false hope or maybe, I don't know what it is. It's It's the idea though of having that completely cut off yeah. really like hurts me. I don't know. And, and the funny thing is, is Tanner, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I can say the same sentence sentences you just said. And that would be why I would want to do it was that it's, it cuts it off. It makes it final. Right. Like that's, that's right. actually a positive for, for my position where I'm at. Right. It, it's something that it's moving on to the next step in my life. You know, um, it no longer is serving the purpose that it once did. So what purpose is it serving right now of keeping my name on the records, you know, but at the same sense, I can make an argument of what would it do to my parents, you know, um, yeah. because it's difficult for them and they're still believing, you know, all my, most of all my family are still very much believing. So I, I go yeah. back and forth of, you know, is it something that I really need to do at this point in my life? 
I don't know. So yeah, I can make an argument both ways. So sure. I I think that that leads me to the question and and we're not, I don't want to cut off your question that you're answering on where are you now? Because I think this is an extension of that. Um, I've kind of made a promise to myself that I won't let, if something is hurting me mentally, causing me anxiety, I need to voice that to Katie and say, Hey, I need to do this right now. Removing my names is I'm not to that point. Right. Is there any, talk about any of those uh, attendants, for example, it got Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, I I can't do this. Has there been anything else uh, that has come up that you've had to kind of pull Kristen aside and say, this is how I'm feeling. I got to drink coffee now, or I've I've got to do this, or I got to do that, or stop doing this, or stop doing that. Right. I I will admit I am a avid coffee drinker now. So and I yeah. I, I do love coffee. So um, I, I'm sad that I've you know gone my whole life and been missing out on that. So which is good because it's replaced the sugary you know soda drinks, which is way worse for you. In my right. Right. Um, but, <laughs> There, there's been a lot of, you know, every kind of, I guess, category, there's been something. So church attendance was one thing. Kristen got to a point in her life, I feel like, where she was like, I don't need you to attend for me to get what I want to get out of church, you know, whereas before she did. It was something, whether it was the appearance or... I did struggle a lot with the, with possible judgment, but I had right. to just start owning my story and myself and, and knowing what I know in my heart. And I've had so many different... I would even call them spiritual experiences that I truly believe that this is where we're supposed to be right now. That I, once that confidence kind of grew inside of me, it was like, okay, yeah, I'm, it's fine. I can be here. Yeah. So the attendance and, and I'm still, you know, I'm not opposed to attending if I need to, if she really needed help with the kids, if she had a really important thing going on, I'll go and I'll sit with them, you know, during, I mean, it's only two hours now. Right. So, <laughs> but uh, I'll go sit during the first hour with them. Um, or if, you know, we have a, our, our second oldest daughter has a beautiful voice and she sometimes will sing during sacrament. I, you know, I'm there every time, you know, I, yeah. I love that kind of stuff. So I'm still there to support them. Um, as long as they feel like that's a safe place for them and is doing good for them. So a, a, another thing is like just my agnostic view that I have now, that was another huge milestone of, you know, wait you don't necessarily believe in God and Christ like you used to. I thought, you know, that was never going to change, even though you had problems with Mormonism, you know? So that was a really big kind of hurdle to get over um, of, you know, Hey, so you don't pray anymore and that kind of stuff. And it's just, but we've had really deep conversations about that doesn't do what it used to do for me. You know, I don't get the same spiritualness or any kind of, any kind of uh, fulfillment out of that. Like I used to. I don't even know that they exist, you know, I mean, personally where I'm at right now, but I can see a need for spiritualness, right? I won't go deep into it, but alcohol is another topic, you know, really it's, it's everything in the church that they've taught, you know, my entire lifetime. I've just gone down the line and I've questioned every single thing of what does this do for me now? Do I want to keep it? Or do I want to revise it or just completely throw it, throw it away? You know, is it even doing anything for me? You know, and I've done that with, with everything that in my life. And I feel like it's a rebuilding process for me and still is, it's still a journey. Right. And with, with the kids and stuff too, I think that yeah, that's a big one. Um, as I've 
as I've learned uh, to respect his beliefs and to not just respect them, but to listen to the way he explains them and to actually be like, that's like, if that's what's giving you peace and fulfillment in life, like that's awesome. I'm so happy for you. And to, to get to that point was really huge for me. And then to share for me, Jesus Christ does this, this, and this. And for him to think that's great for me too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So when we teach our kids, um, you know, we've been trying to do, you know, some of the come follow me stuff that's very Christ-based and kind of tie it into loving others and accepting, you know, people who have different beliefs and kind of just really strategically tying that in. And, and I'm grateful that he'll be present and that he'll share, um, you know, just another way to look at things, a different perspective. And, and some people can do this and they don't believe or, or whatever, you know? Um, so just, I, I, I try and sorry to interrupt, no, that's but fine. I, I really try with our kids now to always throw the other side out there of, that's great that maybe you believe the way you believe, but is it bad that other people believe differently? You know, are they any worse? Cause I grew up very differently. I grew up with the mind of I'm superior to everybody else. You know, I have the truth. I was obviously more righteous than other people and everybody else is of the world and worldly. And they're going to, their sins are going to rub off on me if I mingle with them. And just, just a very narrow minded point of view, you know, and I think there's so much good out there, so many things we can learn from others. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to miss out on that. I don't want them to have such a mm-hmm. narrow mind, especially in this, our community is, is largely LDS, you know, mm-hmm. and they can go their whole lives only associating with LDS mm-hmm. people, you know, yeah. I just don't feel like that's really reality, you know. But we've had some really neat discussions with them when we brought things like that up and had discussions and, you yeah. know, so we're grateful that we've been talking about that kind of stuff. And yeah. Yeah. Tanner, I'm glad that you said that because um, it is important for them to know that there are both sides. There are two sides to everything. Last week we, we went to um, a friend invited us to go to this rock church and um, the well, the well it's called. (laughs) And he plays the guitar. And anyway, Alan's coworker and said, Hey, come out and listen to me play. And so uh, we took the kids and we like dressed up in our church clothes and we got there and we were Everyone's so overdressed, jeans. overdressed, right? <laughs> totally, totally overdressed. And, um, but um, we, we kind of like got the feel of, of everything. And then um, church began and the kids, there was like a kid's area and um, our kids didn't want to go. They wanted to stay with us. So we, we went in and, the music started and it was like a rock concert for Jesus. And we were like, okay. And our little ones were like, it's too loud. I don't like it. And so we took them in the other room and we, we sat through the whole, you know, service and then we left and we're driving home and we asked the kids to tell us some of the differences and the similarities between the churches that we go to. And I mean, we were on our way to go to our, to our church, um, mm-hmm. after that. And my six-year-old said, we said, um, Zara, tell us, tell us, um, what you thought. And she said, well, they weren't very reverent. <laughs> and we were like, right, that, you know, at our church, we're, we're right. quiet and no, we don't have a guitar blaring, but, um, we said so who's right? Which church, which one is, is better than the other? And she said, well, well, no one's right. It's your opinion. Mm. And, and it was, it was one of those moments, Alan and I, we looked at each other. Just, we're like, Oh, I said, how to yeah. parenting. Yeah. Win. <laughs> yeah. 
for her, it wasn't for her. She, my boys loved the rock music Mm -hmm. and they thought it was really cool. My daughter didn't like it and she wanted it to be more reverent, but that's opinion. And Mm -hmm. so teaching, giving those kids those teaching moments, they're so important because whether you think they're listening or not, they definitely um, can feel and see the differences in Mm -hmm. uh, just around them and everything that they're learning. Yes. Sponges, right? Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that either of you would like to say or talk about or maybe some advice that you've thought about if you were to give someone else going through this? Two things that come to mind. One is something that John Dillon said in one of his podcast interviews of a mixed faith marriage couple. And he said that he believes that one of the greatest gifts we can give our children is an example of a healthy, thriving, loving mixed faith marriage, because statistics show there's a really high percentage that they will be in one to some degree or another someday. So how awesome to model, Hey, mom and dad can believe in different ways on different things, but look how we respect each other and how we talk about each other and how we make decisions, you know, for your good. And, you know, and so that was really inspiring to me of like, okay, that's, we're giving a gift to our children instead of what I thought it was at the beginning. Right. Um, And then um, just kind of on a personal note, something that really helped me when we were not going through the faith stuff yet, but just going through the unemployment stuff. And when I was starting to see him struggle, like I'd never seen him struggle before in life actually got hard. I got this um, article from a marriage expert that I follow and it was about the Brooklyn bridge and the story of the Brooklyn Bridge when it was being built, how the man who was building it, the engineer, he fell sick and he couldn't do it anymore. And so he was in bed basically and his wife took over and she would go you know, to his bedside and get the instructions from him and then she would go to the site and she would um, manage the, the bridge basically. And at the end, when the bridge was dedicated, he gave this amazing speech that said, you know, she was my tower to lean on when I went through all this. And so that stuck with me so much when he was going through hard things with work. And then when faith stuff happened and anytime I wanted to be selfish and, you know, just, I just thought, okay, this is really hard for him right now. Be his tower, you know, and eventually the bridge will get built and everything will be okay. Um, and I would say that there have been, you know, there have been times going through this where I was the one who was down and I feel like he has been my tower, you know, to lean on and understanding to get through it. And so what was really cool though, is that in October we got to go to New York for the first time. So of course we're like, okay, Brooklyn bridge, you know, I hadn't told him him what it meant to me yet. Like, okay, you know, the story of the Brooklyn bridge and why this, you know, means what it does to me, but it was just such a neat, like symbol to me of, as we held hands and we crossed that beautiful, like amazing bridge. You know, New York's kind of foggy because you can't always see, what's on the other side. Um, but I'm like, this is so symbolic of our bridge looks a little bit different (laughs) than it did at the beginning, but we're still building it and we're leaning on each other and we we're walking back home. Everything is going to be okay. Um, and it might be even more beautiful than we thought it was going to be. So that is just the advice that I would give to those is to be each other's tower and to hold hands and to cross the bridges of life and it will all work out. Be, be that Tanner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we'll just end right there. Yeah. So, uh, 
Anything no, you'd like to say, Tanner? I'll I'll just I'll just end kind of and and I'll say um specifically about just kind of a mixed faith marriage. And I know, you know, Kristen's belief is a little more nuanced. She understands the issues along with me. Um, but she still gets good out of the church. Um, I no longer do. And being in a mixed faith marriage or whatever you want to call that, you know, that dynamic, uh, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not. Um, a lot of times it's not fun. It's not fun to go through some of the hard conversations and we still do, you know, even today, you know, it's especially on Sundays, you know, just kind of different topics that come up. Uh, we still, you know, I don't know if you want to say struggle or argue or whatever. We have different views on things, but I feel like we're at a place where we have certain tools that we can work together, you know, and um, re- really, I, I feel like our relationship, our marriage is worth it. You know, what, whatever we need to do to make it work, I feel like is worth it. And, and that's really what matters in the end, that and our kids and pushing through it, whatever comes up is going to come up. And, and I feel like the, the this faith crisis, I, I feel like was really a blessing um, because I don't feel like I would have been able to progress or grow in life like I have without going through these experiences, you know? So I look at it as, you know, I wish, I, I don't wish other people would have a faith crisis, but I wish people could also, you know, everyone could have experiences where they kind of push you to grow and to challenge things and to really reevaluate what your truths are, you know, because they could change and they could change for the better into something more beautiful. Right. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what, what, what has occurred with our, with our marriage and, and everything that we continue to go through. So those going through a similar situation, just keep with it. There's a lot of support out there. So mm-hmm. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity to come on here with you guys. Yeah, it's fun. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Tanner and Kristen. Your story's awesome. You have some awesome, great, quotable moments, yeah. <laughs> which is very fun. <laughs> and it. we were able to talk about some things that we haven't talked about with, uh, with other couples that have come on. So thank you very much for sharing. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. That was Marriage on a Tightrope for today. Sunday, February. <laughs> I don't, we've never do that. I don't even know what date it is. What is it's it? the 24th. <laughs> Okay, cool. 24th? It doesn't matter. No one's listening today because <laughs> it won't come out for a few it days. It won't come out for a <laughs> You can follow us on Facebook. We have a Facebook group, Marriage on a Tightrope, a podcast Facebook group. Relatively new, but we're, we're growing and people are starting. I'm not the only one that has posted now. Someone else posted their own thread and I was like, oh, look, it's a natural, organic growing community. Um, <laughs> I think my community on Instagram is bigger. Oh, shut but up. We, we have been announcing <laughs> it for more time than yours. That's right. Uh, but you can follow us on Instagram, Marriage on a Tightrope. Right. And you can email us, Marriage on a Tightrope at gmail.com. Uh, do we do anything else? Um, you could go to dinner with us. We have a few dinners coming up. And we're also, still- we're in um, California for two weeks, April, no, March 19th through April 1st. And we've got we're a meeting few with of you. We're seeing, in Santa Barbara. Yeah, we're yeah. meeting in Santa Barbara and um, a couple in San Diego. So. We're excited to meet and see all of you, you lovely people. And that is... That's it. I think that's it. If you're ever in Utah visiting, what, your sister you mentioned, right? Yeah. Yeah. Please, let us know. We'd love to meet you. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.